Welcome to Thoughts from Home, your conservation podcast from the National Conservation Training Center. We're located along the Potomac River in historic Shepherdstown, West Virginia, and are home to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Composting is so valuable when it comes to sustainable practices. It's good for the planet, it saves us money, and it provides a chemical-free solution for nourishing the plants we eat. I'm Tracy McLeaf, and I'm here with Mike McAllister today to talk about NCTC's new composting program. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well today. Thank you. So, Mike, what is compost? Well, compost starts out as a bunch of organic matter that is broken down through natural processes. And the end product is the compost. And the compost is just organic matter that works well for feeding plants. It works well for aerating the soil. There's natural bacteria in it, and that helps plants grow. What kind of organic matter are you talking about in a good compost pile? So the organic matter is made up of nitrogen-rich things, which would be your table scraps or food preparation scraps, your carrot or potato peelings, your broccoli ends or your asparagus ends. The uh, high nitrogen containing materials are really good. Things like coffee grounds are other popular composting items. Other part of the compost, so that's the nitrogen. The other part of the compost is we would like carbon in the compost, and that is our brown material. Things like leaf litter or sawdust, even small sticks and twigs or ground up branches, if you have a, a, a branch grinder, can be added to the compost pile. Things that you want to avoid adding to the compost pile are That was dairy. my next question. Make my part, I got ahead of you, eh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. The things you want to avoid adding to most compost piles are proteins such as beef or pork or chicken. It's not that they don't break down, it's just that they attract critters and animals and scavengers. And so when you come out to the pile in the morning, sometimes it's all disrupted and turned up. If you, if you fill it with the wrong stuff, you know, the raccoons or the critters will get into it. So if you keep the meats and the dairy products out of your compost pile, it'll make it less attractive to the woodland critters. Are eggshells okay? Eggshells are a great thing to add, as as well as grass clippings. I I forgot to mention grass clippings as part of the uh, nitrogen-containing material. But you want to be careful with the grass clippings because you can over-add grass clippings and get it to clump. You know, if the grass clippings clump together really tight, oxygen can't get in there and feed the bacteria. And if it creates an oxygen-free type of breaking down, you get bacteria that create methane and smells, and they they don't create the good type of compost that you want. We're really looking for a type of compost here at NCTC called hot compost, where you get aerobic breakdown of the organic material. The bacteria are allowed to breathe oxygen, and they break down the material naturally and release a little bit of carbon dioxide. And the anaerobic breakdown, where the pile becomes kind of sludgy and, and stinky, is still breaking down and making compost, but the bacteria are giving off methane. And methane is a greenhouse gas, and they give off a lot more methane in that type of breakdown than they do in the hot pile. So we, we're really targeting hot pile composting here at NCPC. How do you keep it aerobic if you're piling a bunch of stuff on there all the time? Oh, that's a great question. So it requires a little bit of labor. Pile needs to be turned with a, a pitchfork or a rake weekly. I try to turn our pile, or I turn our pile weekly. And by turning, I mean I'm mixing it up and kind of stirring it around and flipping it from the bottom to the top and the middle section to the bottom. And I'm really trying to expose fresh material to the oxygen. I'm trying to get oxygen and okay. aeration into that pile to feed oxygen to the bacteria. 
One thing when we're getting our pile to cook, if you will, or to come up to temp, we have to meter the amount of water going into it or, or control the amount of water going into it. Oh. If you get too much water in it, it'll condense and compress and become sludgy, if you will. And that compression kicks out some of the oxygen. It doesn't, it doesn't allow space for oxygen to come in contact with the bacteria. So you want to keep the pile moist, if you will. I grab some of the material and squish it together and it stays as a ball in your hand. The moisture is about right. If you squeeze it and you get water to drip out kind of like a sponge, you've got too much water in your compost. Do we keep our pile covered? Right now we cover with a tarp. I hope okay. to come up with a roof system for it and then we would add water with a hose. Um, right now we're relying on meteoric or rainwater to add <laughs> water to it um, and then we're controlling it with a tarp. Our pile, okay. it hasn't grown to uh, the large enough scale to need a roof yet, but someday we will be, uh, the pile will be big enough that we need to contain it. Yeah, I do know that Aramark, our guest services contract, and we talk, we've talked before about food services with Aramark and the amount of food they produce. I, I know that their production waste, you talked about all the bits of the broccoli and the asparagus and the rinds and things. They've started tracking and providing to your compost pile back in July. And when I talked to them last week, they said through last week, they had provided about 870 pounds of material for your compost pile. So, I mean, we just started it. So yeah. hopefully it'll get big soon. <laughs> it's impressive. And, you know, each week we add to it and we add, you know, roughly between 80 and 100 and 50 pounds a week to the pile. And it's interesting because the day we dump it out and uh, it, it's a large pile, you know, it's all the material. And then the next week we come back to add to it and the pile shrunk by 30 to 40 to 50 percent. Uh, really that, that quickly? Oh yeah, it's crazy. That material dewaters or, or you know, the water kind of falls out of the veggies yeah. and, and the food scraps or the food preparation scraps. I want to clarify that. Yeah, not, that's not, clear. That, that's something good to point out. We're not we're not scraping off plates and dumping them in the compost. That's still all going to trash. Just yeah, so that's clear to everybody. This is all the scraps from preparing the meal, the, the vegetable correct. matter. Correct. Yeah. It's, it, it's very hard to meter and control what goes in uh, once the consumer has taken the food on their plate. Compost comes in danger. So we, I kind of yeah. like to protect yeah. what goes in it. Um, yeah. And an odd note, it's kind of interesting. I almost get to know the cooks or the food preparation staff because uh, like the material I'm collecting, it's they have different styles of trimming. And, and when you're <laughs> dumping the food out, it's like, oh, so-and-so is on the salad bar this time. You know, it's like, I don't know who's doing it. I just can tell there's different styles of knife cutting. The and, Julianne and, guy was there today. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we went through a lot of asparagus this week, you know, or stuff like that. It's kind of funny. Um, you, you can kind of you see how busy campus is based off of what's oh, yeah, going, in, going into the compost pile. The other neat thing, I, I don't know if our recycling crew is upset, but I have been harvesting most of our uh, shredded paper. So most of the shredded paper for the last two, or all of the shredded paper I can get my hands on for the last two months has been going into our compost bin. And that's where I'm getting a bulk of the carbon to add to it. Uh, shredded paper is a wonderful source. It breaks down quickly. It's kind of a nuisance to recycle, you know, to keep track of. So I, I like dumping it into the compost bin. I grab all of the sawdust I can find from around campus. But you got to be careful. You don't want to target sawdust from treated wood or black walnut, I think, is a wood that we want to stay right. away from. Black yeah. walnut scraps and leaves will secrete or give off uh, a type of chemical that's not good for 
critters and plants. I, I learned that the uh, we have a chipper. Uh, we have a wood chipper or a branch chipper on campus. We chip into the container and try to harvest some of that organic material. You know, I never thought it would be a challenge to find the carbon. We, our cafeteria is very good at producing the food scraps, and, and now I've got to run around campus and find leaves and things to match to it. And, uh, you know, there, there's a ratio between the, the green and the brown or the carbon and the nitrogen. Easiest rule of thumb, some composters are going 50-50 just for, a, you know, a visual. And it's by right. weight. It's not by volume. Okay. So it's kind of, you, you kind of like, kind of feel how much you're adding, and then you guess how much of the carbon stuff to add. I've been putting a little bit extra carbon in, you know, a little bit higher ratio, more like three times the amount of carbon, just because there is so much nitrogen in the stuff that I'm putting in it out. Our coffee grounds okay. are really rich. And um, it's been a neat science experiment. I've had to learn a lot about it. And I kind of started from, I didn't know anything about it. I only knew about the stinky pile in your backyard, you know, the negative side of composting. I know that you were an important part of all of this because I've been here for a while and over the years we've talked about starting composting and it was like, no, 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 it's too much trouble. We don't have any place to do it. And uh, NCTC a few years ago got an intern who they just said, study composting for us and if we could do it here or not. And this woman did, she put together a great package and presentation. I was like, this is great. We need a champion. Who'd be a good champion for our composting project? And Mike McAllister is the, the do-it-all, know-it-all, can do anything, figure anything out, guys. So he became our composting champion. So I know we really appreciate all the work you've done on it and, and working with our food services. We would really like to see this grow. We've talked about at NCTC as part of our sustainability efforts, increasing the amounts of bins we have in certain areas for compostable material, food waste, recyclable, just kind of trying to break things down like that. But I know we're way off from that because our food services buys compostable things. The little flimsy plastic where you get is actually some kind of compostable material. Um, yeah. And those boxes, not the green plastic boxes, but the, the paper boxes you get over there are supposed to be compostable. But all those logistics of working that stuff out and how we would handle that, I mean, that's all in our future. I'm just glad yeah. we got it up and running and think it's going well. It, it is, and it's neat. You know, composting is so simple, if you will, and it's, it's stuff that you would eat. It's stuff all around you. You put it in a pile. You give it a little bit of love and care, and then in a few weeks, you can put it out in your garden and create more stuff to eat. And it, it's kind of a neat process. And when uh, Brittany studied how to do the composting on campus, we settled on a passive pile. There's complicated ways to compost, and there's very simple ways to compost. And basically, we're kind of doing a large version of what everybody could do in their backyard. We just have a static pile of organic material that we mix up, and then um, since our pile is a little larger, we use mechanized machinery. We use a skid steer or a bobcat, brand name. Um, but we we turn the pile uh, just weekly, and and we don't have any fancy blowers or any fancy aerators. You know, there's no uh, chemistry kits out there. It just comes down to a thermometer. You don't even need the thermometer. But uh, you know, when you turn the pile, you'll see heat. You know, on a cool day, it'll actually give off uh, steam, if you will. Because if the pile is cooking or it's doing, the bacteria are doing its thing, it can see temperatures of 140, 150 degrees in the wow. core of that pile. And that temperature change is the bacteria doing its work. It's uh, metabolizing the organics. And that heat actually kills off seeds, which is a really important thing for your compost pile. 
because if you put a bunch of tomatoes in there and uh, you don't get the heat up and then you, you make some compost and next month you put it on the cucumber garden, you, you're probably going to get tomatoes out of it in a couple, you know, the, the year after. So that, yeah, that, I'm, that. I'm, I'm a failed <laughs> composter. I'm, I'm happy to hear this. It sounds like it's pretty simple for you doing your backyard. It just just takes a little bit of turning, a little bit of maintenance, a little yeah. bit of monitoring, no special equipment. Because I've had tomato seeds grow up in my flower bed because I tried to compost myself. It was a nice little tomato plant that came out of it, but um, unplanned. <laughs> so this the is unplanned. This is encouraging. This is encouraging. So not only is this a great way of reducing our carbon footprint, but it's also good for a lot more than feeding plants. It's good for the environment. We've got it going at NCTC, and we hope this podcast has inspired you to start your own compost and turn food waste into something useful. Thank you for listening to the National Conservation Training Center podcast series. If you have feedback, thoughts, or stories you'd like to share, contact us at nctc underscore podcast at fws.gov.